Turn with me, please, to the book of Luke this evening. Book of Luke, the 16th chapter. We've been on this series for some time now called One Master. And I want to continue in it this evening. Luke 16 and 10. Luke 16.10 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, Who shall give you that which is your own? How many have found out God's very big on faithfulness? Faithfulness is what he rewards. It's what he promotes based upon. Not what a lot of other people might think. It's not just how smart you are. It's not just how hard you work. It's not how great you sacrifice. Are you listening? A lot of folks have thought, well, that's what God promotes by. No, he promotes by faithfulness. And faithfulness is not the same thing as diligence. I'll just let you chew on that for a while. Uh, He said, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. Well, he was talking about them. Right? And and it described them and they didn't receive it. You know, so many times the thing that aggravates you the most, if you'd humble yourself and receive it, it would help you the most and you'd get the most free the quickest and develop and grow the most in the shortest amount of time. But you'll, you have to pass that test instead of getting mad and upset and refusing it and rejecting it. When the truth comes and it doesn't cast you in a favorable light, you'll do one of two things. You'll either harden yourself and resist it or you'll humble yourself and receive it. And if you harden yourself and resist it, you will get resisted of God. Because God resists the proud. But if you'll humble yourself and receive it, you'll get grace. And with enough grace, you can overcome anything. With enough grace, you can receive anything. And nothing would be too hard or impossible. But he went on to say, he said to them, you are they which justify yourselves before God, for God knows your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Two different value systems, God's versus the ungodly world. And even a lot of religious people don't realize it, but their mentality is ungodly. And he he said here, let's read it again, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Who can do it? Nobody can do it. Either you'll hate the one and love the other. You'll hold to the one and despise the other. They get in each other's way. And it'll frustrate you and irritate you. 
trying to serve two masters. Doesn't work. Nobody can do it. You cannot, and, and the, the two he specifies is you can't serve God, which is one master, and mammon, which would be another master. Now mammon is money and material things personified. And, and in some of these statements is why some people, ignoring other portions of the scripture, have decided that wealth and material things and money is bad and evil and that Jesus taught against it. But that's ignoring much other scripture. And you hear people talking about, well, you know, money is the root of all kinds of evil. Actually, that's a misquote. That's not what that verse said in 1 Timothy. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And you can love money without having any of it. (laughs) Some of the poorest people are also some of the most covetous. And there are people who have things, but they don't worship it. If it's possible to uh, not have money and covet it and worship it, then it'd have to be possible to have it and not worship it. Right? So it's the love of it that's the issue. But don't just assume, well, I don't have any problem with it. Most people have had problems with it and made mistakes with it. And you can't serve two masters. You can't, you can't pursue God and things and money. Who's your master? Why don't you say it out loud? Money, money. is not my, master. not my master. You know, money can be a great servant. Money can be a good tool. But it's an evil master and it's a lousy God. How many would agree? And so you got to, that's why the title of our series is One Master. We got to make up our mind. We have one master and one source. And it's not things, it's not money, it's not stuff. It is God himself. He's my master. He's my source. Go with me, please, over to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians And the second chapter. Now the Lord dealt with me. Early on into this series. That a lot of people. Were either being deceived. Or in danger of being deceived. And defrauded. And taken advantage of. And this kind of thing has been going on. Generation after generation. But I believe it's also a timely message for us in the church, and the Lord would spare us and protect us. And what I can see that he's been doing in this series is uncovering the enemy's operations, how he works. And uh, a lot of Christians just haven't seen this. And and Phyllis and I have talked about it over the course of the last 30 plus years. He has allowed us through a number of different situations to see behind the scenes on some of these things. And I'll touch on it a little bit further, but it's no accident. The Lord has allowed us to be around some things and to see some things and to be spared from some things. And so uh, she and I are your under shepherds under the Lord. And our desire is that you not be taken advantage of. Right, that you be protected and you be kept. Uh, we want you to be prospered. Amen. 
And you know, did you notice this? The devil's a thief. And if you begin to do better and begin to prosper and have some extra, do you know he'll still come and try to steal that? Even after you've overcome and he'll come and try to steal it. And you know, you could work hard and make good decisions and make good investments and and get ahead and, and be in good shape and make one dumb mistake. Is that right? And trust the wrong people and lose it all. It's happened many, many times. In 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, he makes the statement that we've referred to. He said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Are believers supposed to be aware and not ignorant of how the enemy operates? Let me read the Amplified of this. The Amplified says, to keep Satan from getting the advantage over us. So that means the devil has and and it's possible for him to get an advantage over spirit-filled believers. Is that right? These Corinthians were born again. Blood washed, bought, tongue talking people. And uh, it goes on to say in the Amplified, to keep Satan from getting the advantage over us. And that word advantage in other places is translated defraud. Defraud. And this is the thing I hadn't seen before. This series is that it talks about we're not ignorant of his devices. What are his devices? How does he operate? He defrauds. The devil is a con. And he's very, very good at it. If you think, well, he can't trick me. Well, (laughs) you're already half tricked because you underestimate him. You underestimate him. And uh, he is the original con. It says, for we are not ignorant of his wiles and intentions. The complete Jewish Bible says, so that we will not be taken advantage of by the adversary, for we are quite aware of his schemes. The devil never comes head on. He doesn't come to the front door. (laughs) He never comes honestly. He always comes cunningly with a scheme, underhandedly deceptively, always. He's a liar and the father of it and he's a thief and a killer. Is that right? Now, go with me to the 11th chapter right here in 2 Corinthians, just over a few pages to the 11th chapter. Chapter 11 and verse 1. The Spirit of God through Paul said, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me. Keep going. I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I've espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Keep going. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. What did he do to Eve? He beguiled her. How did he do it? Through his subtlety. Now subtlety means a 
craftiness. The literal meaning of subtle, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it means smooth. Today we get our, our word slick. Right? Slick is hard to pin down. And part of his subtlety is, let me read these defining words, cunning, crafty, elusive, operating insidiously, difficult to perceive and understand, (laughs) complicated, complex, difficult to put your finger on it, to pin down. Why? Because if you see the truth, you're going to run. You're going to get out of there. He didn't come to Eve and said, look, I hate God and I hate you. (laughs) And I've lost my place, but I want you to give me your authority over the earth. And I want you to bow down your knee and and listen to me and give me a place over you. What would she have said? (laughs) I don't think so. No. So he didn't do that, did he? What did he do? He came craftily. He came subtly. And he said, now that's beautiful, isn't it? That fruit. How can anything bad look so beautiful? What did God say about that? He said, don't eat it. You eat it, you'll die. She's clear. She's clear. Read the rest of this verse. So that your mind should be what? Corrupted from the what? Simplicity that's in Christ. You can tell you're getting in trouble when it gets complicated. If they'd have just kept it simple. What was what's simple? Stay away from the tree. Don't eat from the tree. Leave the tree alone. You eat of the tree, you die. Simple. Simple. Adam knew it. Eve knew it. But the devil is very good, proficient at cunning and craft. And he says, yeah, God said that. But define die. You won't really die, die, die. And the thing is, God himself knows that if you eat that and you take that, you will be enlightened. You will come up to another level of awareness and you will be as gods, knowing good and evil. And she got to looking at it and it looked like that could be true. And it would have to be good to eat just looking at it. And it's going to make you wiser. What can, what can be wrong with that? And he tricked her. He convinced her. That's what con means. Confidence is short for confidence man. And that you put confidence in someone that you should not. You trust someone that you should not trust because they are deceiving you. They're telling you one thing, but they're after something else. This is the devil to a T. 
And everybody that's ever done it, got it from him. I said they got it from him. A con, short for confidence man, something as a ruse used deceptively to gain another's confidence. And the objective is to swindle them. To take the, they're telling them, they're usually telling them, you're going to get rich. But the truth is, they're going to steal what you got. Isn't that exactly what he did with her? He's telling her, you're going to get all this. You're going to get this illumination. You're going to become like God. You're going to, and the truth is, she's not going to get anything but death and separation, and he's going to steal. Her and Adam's authority. So he conned her. And Adam went along with it. This is what it's talking about to say we're not ignorant of his devices. We need to know how the devil operates. He operates cunningly. Craftily. He's a con man. Now skip down to the 13th verse of this same chapter. 13th verse. He said in verse 13, talking about, all this flows from the same verse we read about the devil being cunning and crafty. These people who had come in that were causing problems in the church, he said they are false apostles. And one of the key indicators that something is of the devil is that there is falseness in it. God has never been, never will be any part of any lie. Never has been. Anything that's misleading, deceiving, God has nothing to do with that. If you think he does, you don't know him. Because it is impossible for God to lie. How many believe that? He wouldn't be who he is. He wouldn't be what he is. And think about it for a moment. If we ever found out that God told us one lie, what would that do to our faith in him? You could always question, well, he lied about that. He never has lied. He never will lie. And he will never be a part of anybody that is lying. Whatever kind of lying and deceiving they're doing, you can be sure God is not in any of that and you can be sure who is in it. The father of lies. Who's a liar and the father of it. And and don't you think now, friends, if somebody, you're around them and you hear them telling somebody something wrong and misleading and they look at you and explain that it was necessary for the greater good... But they would never tell you anything misleading. You're slow if you believe that. (laughs) I want you to say it out loud real plainly. If they'll lie to them, they will lie to me. Don't ever doubt it. Hmm? Don't ever doubt it. If they'll lie to them, they'll lie to you. Probably already have. And uh, that's one of the big indicators that something is not God and it's actually the enemy in it. 
When you see and hear falseness, deception, misleading, you know God's not in it. Now, I know that's real simple, but this one thing can save you. I don't care who they are. I don't care how spiritual they're supposed to be. If they're involved in something that's not fully truthful, you know it's not right. You don't need a special revelation. You know it's not right. Because God would never, never be involved in something that's misleading people or leaving the wrong impression. Any degree of falseness in it at all. He said these are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now, are they coming across as Satanist priests? No. They're coming across, they're presenting themselves as apostles of Christ. Are they? No, they're not. Keep reading verse 14. And no marvel. He said, don't be shocked by it because Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Keep reading. Therefore it is no great thing. If his ministers also be transformed. As the ministers of righteousness. Whose end shall be according to their works. This is an area where the church has been weak. So much of the church is looking for the wrong thing. Looking for the devil. They're looking for horns. And a pitchfork. And a red suit. They're looking for a fire breathing evil monster. Hmm? That's not the devil. That's Hollywood. That's not reality. How's the devil going to come? How's he going to come? Come on, read it again. Read it again. Verse 14. No marvel. Satan himself is what? Transformed into what? That's how he comes. Why? Because he knows he's not going to get what he wants. Coming as himself. (laughs) So what's he endeavoring to do? Convince you that this is God. And he has ministers. How do they come across? Not as Satanist priests. They come across, verse 15, as ministers of righteousness. So they know the talk. They know the lingo. They talk God talk. And they talk faith talk. And they talk word talk. Did you know the devil quotes scriptures? <laughs> Does the devil quote scriptures? In the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, didn't he do it over and over again? He quote, And he quoted them right. But he tried to get him to misapply them. Scripture was quoted correctly on some of it, but he tried to get him to act on it wrongly, misapply it. Of course, no matter what it is, who wants the devil telling you what to do? Or the devil telling you how to interpret scripture? Or how to apply it? What could you be sure of? He's lying to you. I said much of the church 
has been looking for the devil in the wrong place. They've been looking for the Hollywood version of the devil. They've been looking for horns and a pitchfork. Right? And he's not going to come like that. How did he come to Eve? He's helping her. Right? To, To realize the complexity of this situation. He's helping, he's helping her to realize God may not have been completely forthcoming with y'all about this. And, and really, he, he just doesn't want you with this level of knowledge and understanding, implying that it would get in God's way. So he wants to keep them down and not let them get to, nothing could be further from the truth. But but that's how the enemy works. He comes and he'll lie to you about God. He'll lie to you about the other people in your life. And, and it doesn't come obviously and openly. It comes insidiously. It comes very subtly. He won't just he won't just talk bad about them full on. He'll just ask a question and just question what they did. And their character and was that really, were they really looking out for you or for themselves? Were they really, was that really true or are they just trying to keep you out? Hmm? Beware, beware, beware. You don't have to understand all of the stuff that he can do. You can learn the spirit of it. And you can detect it. And you don't have to understand it to know, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not listening to that. I'm not getting involved in that. It's real simple. The Lord said this, and that's what I'm going to do. You don't let it get complicated on you. Because when it got complicated with Eve, that's when they missed it. And they lost all the wonderful life they had in full fellowship with the Father. In the perfect Garden of Eden. Go with me over to Second Peter, second chapter, Second Peter two. Jesus said, "Don't judge according to appearances, but judge righteous judgment." He said, "Also, I'm moving a little bit too quick. Go to Matthew seven. Let's do it this way. Jesus said in Matthew 7.15, or they'll just put it up on the screen for us. Matthew 7.15, Jesus said, beware. What does beware mean? Watch out for it. If he said watch out for it, what should you and I do? We should be on the watch for this. Watch out for what? False prophets. How do you know they're wrong? They're false. There's falseness about them. There's phoniness. There's fake. Which come to you, what? How do they come? In sheep's clothing. Isn't this the devil? Isn't this exactly how he operates? They come to you, how? In sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they're ravening wolves. A wolf dressed like a sheep. (laughs) How do you identify these wolves in disguise? 
How do you identify? Come on, can you imagine it now? Here's a wolf. But he's got a sheep suit on. How many know even at a, at a distance, you can tell something's not quite right about that sheep? Right? I mean, yeah, he looks white and woolly on the outside, but he just moves like no sheep I ever saw before. Right? And the tone of his voice, it just don't sound like a sheep. And did I see a big tooth? Well, like, oh, I mean, sheep don't have teeth like that. And uh, now, we laugh about this, but friend, this happens with people in situations. I mean, they're talking the God talk and the faith talk and the word talk, but was that a big hairy ear that I saw? What was, what was that? And, and they're talking the talk and they sound good and other people think they're great. And then you saw something else. Is that a bushy tail back there? What, what is that? And, and what am I saying? They keep being these little things that bother you. And friend, you must not override what you get in your heart. Your head will say, well, hey, everybody thinks they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And they're having all these big meetings and everybody's jumping on board. Don't override what you get in your heart. If something bought, you don't have to know all the details. If you just get something's not quite right here, then that's time for you to get out. Get away. Don't go any further. All you need is something's not quite right here. And I'm going to say this again the further we go, but the Lord gave me this phrase some time back, and it, it is, it's a big part of this whole series. I got this clear in myself with me and Phyllis years ago. I don't need a reason not to do something. I've had people say, why aren't you doing this? I don't need a reason not to do it. I need a leading to do it. If you'll discipline yourself to live like this, you'll make it very hard for the enemy to trick you and mislead you. I've had people say, why aren't you going to be a part of this? Why aren't you going to be? I don't need a reason. Not to do something. I've had people get upset with me before. Well, why aren't you going to be a part of this conference? Why aren't you going to come speak for this? Why aren't you going to be get involved in this? I don't need a reason not to do it. I need a leading. People say, well, I'm asking you. Yeah, but I'm not led by you. You're not my leader. You're not the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but it's a great thing. Yeah, but it's a, it's a great need. Yeah, but it's a great opportunity. We're not supposed to be led by needs. We're not supposed to be led by anything or anyone except the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We're to be internally led, not externally led. And that just takes away all these opportunities from the enemy to lead you because he can't lead you from the inside. He's not inside you. But he can do all kind of stuff out here and he can do things through people. Now go with me over to uh, Peter now. Second Peter, second chapter. Second Peter, chapter two, verse one. Second Peter two one. He said there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, 
who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Christianity, the gospel, the word faith has been slandered to the unbelievers and to the world by people that have not been the real thing. You keep going. It says, through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. This is exactly how the devil operates. In the NIV, it says, in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Can you see this falseness? You know it's the devil. When you see the falseness and the phoniness. In their greed, these false teachers will make a profit out of telling you made up stories. The Living Bible says it like this. These teachers in their greed will tell you anything to get a hold of your money. Covetous. Phony. False. And friends, you don't have to figure out or find out all the background on everybody and and dissect every one of their teachings. Get away from that. That's mental. You can never know enough to accurately judge all these things. We needed help in this area, which is why the Lord gave us the helper. And he will let you know when something's genuine and something's true And when it's not. It's not a mental thing. It's just a knowing. On the inside of you. When you hear the truth. And you hear and experience. The real manifestation. Of the real Holy Spirit. That same spirit is in you. Same Holy Spirit. And you'll get a witness. I said you'll get a witness. Even if it's something brand new to your head. Even if it's a new experience for you intellectually, it's very familiar to you spiritually. Because it's the same spirit. Same spirit. And no matter how people think they're advanced and they've gone off with higher, greater, deeper things of God, if it doesn't bear witness with your spirit and you just don't see it and you just don't get it, don't override that. I don't care who it is. Don't override that at the very least say well I'm sorry I just don't see it right now so until I see it until it's real to me I can't jump on board why aren't you going to do it I don't need a reason not to do it I need a leading I need a witness can you say amen, amen. go with me over to the in the Old Testament to the book of Ezekiel The book of Ezekiel and the 33rd chapter, or they'll put it up on the screen for us. Ezekiel 33, 30, 33, 30. He said, son of man, the children of your people still are talking against you by the walls and the doors of the houses. They speak everyone to his brother and says, come, I pray you and hear what the word that comes forth from the Lord. What is the word? Verse 31. And they come to you as the people cometh. And they sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goes after their covetousness. 
there is a great disparity between the mouth and the heart he's described. They're talking the right talk, but in their heart, they want something. They're after something else. And we see that the devil's operation is to use this God talk, faith talk, word talk as a cover to hide and cover covetousness. Just like he did with Eve. He wanted their authority. He wanted them to bow their knee to him. He wanted to hurt them and hurt God. But he didn't come across like that. He covered all that hatred and all that evil up with a kind (laughs) trying to help you out here. Huh? Have you ever been around people that were just too sweet? You know what I'm talking about? They were just too sweet. It's like, you watch that. Some of those people that are just so kind, they just can barely talk to you. Those are some of the meanest people you'll ever run across. You push them too far and a volcano will erupt. Have you ever seen it before? Why? Because it's not real. It's, it's a bunch of phony junk. It's not real. And if you pay attention to your heart, you can tell it's not real. Now, you don't have to tell them, that's a bunch of phony junk you're doing right now. You, you're not the Holy Ghost police, all right? You have a full-time job taking care of yourself. But when you get something like that in your heart, don't ignore it. Don't override it. Don't override it. Now, in Genesis, you'll see how the enemy would operate in every, every chance that he gets. He does it the same way every time. Rebecca and Jacob fooled their father Isaac with goats and clothes and hairy skins they put on his arm. In Genesis 27:35. Genesis 27:35 when his brother came in he said your brother came with what subtlety. subtlety same thing of the enemy and has taken away your blessing what's the purpose of subtlety to steal steal something taken away your blessing and verse 20 I want you to notice what Isaac said at the instruction of his mother both of them are being liars and deceivers and thieves Now, God forgave them later. They got past it. But you can't make this right. When Isaac said to his son, how is it that you found the food so quickly, my son? What did he say? He said, the Lord your God brought it to me. Big fat lie. His mother just made it right there. Right right across the, the way there. But what did he say? The Lord. The Lord your God brought it to me. This is how the enemy talks. People, like I said, people are looking for horns and a pitchfork. That's not how he comes. He comes in a white robe. He comes saying, the Lord said. The Lord told me to tell you. 
How in the world am I supposed to know what's the difference? Easy. Easy. If it contradicts one word in this book, it's not God. And if it contradicts the, the spirit you have in your spirit, it's not right. You got the Holy Spirit in you. And if this is him coming through somebody else, it's the same spirit you got in you. There'll be a familiarity. There'll be a witness. Can you say amen? Go to 1 Kings 13. Let's move through a couple of these. I want you to have them. This is important, I'm telling you. The, the Lord would immunize us. A lot of folks have been talking about getting their flu shot. Let me give you your don't get con shot. Don't get taken shot. How many would take this one? This, you're, you're getting it right now. Spiritual immunization. This word will get in you and quicken you and people that have been duping and fooling others by the scores, they'll come across you and, and when they start trying to do it on you, you'll go, woo, 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 go <laughs> Phony in the house, devil trying to sell me. The devil flatters you to fool you. He builds you up. To take you down. Can you see this? He flatters you. To fleece you. And he comes. Dressed up like a sheep. First Kings 13. First Kings 13. A man of God. Sent by the Lord. To the king. To give him certain word from the Lord. And it was very powerful. There were some physical manifestations. And he told that man of God, do not go in the house with him. Don't eat with him. Don't stay. You remember that? And so when the king in verse 8, 1 Kings 13, 8, the man of God told him when the king offered him, he said, if you give me half your house, I'll not go in with you. And I will not eat bread and I won't drink water in this place. In this place. The Lord didn't just tell him in that palace, in that area. He said, don't you do it. But, verse 18, there was an old prophet who lived in that area and he heard about this amazing manifestation that had happened with this genuine man of God. And verse 18, when he asked him to come and eat with him and stay with him, he told him the same thing. He said, no way. God told me, don't do it. So no, I'm not eating with you. I'm not staying here. And he said to him, but I'm a prophet also like you are. Verse 18. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with you into your house that he may eat and drink. But he lied to him. And so, verse 19, what did the man do? He overrode. What God had told him. He had got it right with the king. He had got it right in other situations. But here this man comes in talking God talk. The Lord showed me. An angel appeared to me. I'm a prophet. (laughs) Well, yeah, there's false prophets. And real ones. He said, I'm a prophet like you are. And an angel spoke to me. Angel spoke to me. This is how the devil operates. 
God gave me a vision in the nighttime. Told me to come see you. Tell you what you're supposed to do. It involves withdrawing all your money out of your accounts. Putting it into this thing that God has shown me. It's going to. Somebody say he lied to him. He lied to him. He lied to him. And so the man did. And while they were sitting at table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet that had lied. This is an interesting situation. And he said, because you disobeyed the word of the Lord, you're not going to make it home alive. And as soon as he left, a lion got him, killed him. And when the word got back to the man that had lied to him, he said, yeah, that's a disobedient prophet. God didn't do what the Lord told him to do. Said out loud, phony, phony. faith talk, talk. word talk, talk. God talk. talk. That's how the enemy does it. Don't look for the horns and the pitchfork. He's going to come. He's going to quote scriptures. He's going to say, God said. God said. Now skip to one more here in 2 Kings, the 5th chapter. 2 Kings 5. 2 Kings 5. You remember the story of Naaman who had leprosy. And he found out that people were being healed. And so he went to uh, the prophet's house. And you know what what happened? The prophet told him to go dip. And and he did. And he was healed. And he was so thrilled. And he came back and he offered to give the man of God money, stuff. And verse 16, 2 Kings 5, 16, the man of God said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. I won't receive a penny from you. Now, if you read other passages, there were times he received things from other people. But notice what the rest of what he says. He urged him to take it, but he refused. With God, the end never justifies the means. It is so important that what we get comes the right way. The right way the right time, through the right channels. Do you remember Abraham? We talked about him already. But when God gave him the victory and he recovered his uh, family and the king of Sodom came, you know, and told him, take all the money, take all the cows, take everything, just give me the people. And we're talking about the wealth of two substantial cities of that age. So by today's money, it'd have to be millions at least. At least. It was a lot of money here. Remember, anybody remember what Abraham said to him? Abraham said, Genesis 14, 23, I will not take a thread or a shoelace from you. I won't take anything that is yours lest you should say I have made Abram rich. Now, a lot of people today would not have said that. They'd have said, hey, I can sanctify this money. And what would these millions do for the kingdom of God? What would these millions do for the poor? With God, the end never 
justifies the means. It wasn't just important that it came. At this point, it was more important how it came than that he got it right now. Why? Because he said, who's going to get the glory? When people see Abraham and all the stuff he had and what he was doing, what were they going to say? Well, the king of Sodom gave him all that stuff. So who gets the glory? King of Sodom gets the glory for making Abraham rich. And God had revealed that to him, that that's how it was going to turn out and for him not to receive it. And so he said, I wouldn't take a thread from you. Yeah, but it's $20 million. It's $50 million. doesn't matter. Now, it's easy to say that. But a whole lot of people, when $20 million is involved, it matters. And they are willing to look the other way. They are willing to figure it out later. Right? Just get the money in the bank. And then we'll pray about it. Is it true? That if the amount's big enough, we shouldn't even pray? Then that's being led by amounts. Friends, there's a reason why we're into this. And if you've been with us for any length of time, this kind of thing's been coming up for weeks now and months. Why? Do you know why? God would qualify us to handle more than we've ever handled before. But in order for that to happen, we have to get free. From covetousness. And we got to know who our source is. And and in order to do that. You're going to have to pass some tests. Which includes saying no to some things. No. I'm not taking it that way. No. This is not the right thing. This is not the right way. Not the right time. Now I want you to notice. When his servant. You know Gehazi. Saw him. Not receive it. Verse 20. 2 Kings 5.20, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian in not receiving at his hands that which he brought. But, what did he say? As the Lord lives, I will run after him and take some. What do you mean, as the Lord lives? As the Lord lives. (laughs) Can you see that God talked? Faith talk. He heard the man of God say this legitimately. But now he's just using it to cover up his covetousness. He knows it's wrong to say, I don't care what he did. I want that money and I'm going to go get that money. He knows that'd be wrong. So what does he say? As the Lord lives. Trying to give some kind of God endorsement to it I mentioned to you that Phyllis and I had been privy to several situations through the last 30 years more than once that we were tempted to get involved in some things that other people were doing investing thinking of this one particular time this has happened more than once but a number of our friends and ministers and churches were excited about this and they were going to, you know, invest this amount and it's going to be quadrupled and, and times 50. And this is the thing that is going to pay off the churches 
and it's going, I mean, we're going to preach the gospel. This is the, the, the big deal that is going to put us all over. Now, if you weren't with us, we went into some detail in the book of Proverbs to show you that's not how God operates. He's never going to do one big deal for you that you never have to believe him or pray again. Never have to check in with him. That would be him involved in something that's replacing him as your source. He's not going to do that. Now you can have some significant things happen. Don't misunderstand me. But there's never going to be the one big deal from God that we never have to think about money anymore and we're all set and preach the gospel to the world. And If God gave you the money to take care of it all, who would get the glory? You. For doing that's God doesn't do things that way. He will bless you. He'll do things for you. But this one big deal stuff. And the people that were involved in it, you try to find out. And it's all so complex. And it's uh, hard to understand. And they can't tell us. Because hush, hush, hush. Secret. But we can put in a few thousand and tens of thousands and get millions back just right away. And we're going to pay off everything, build the church, preach the gospel. Sounds good, don't it? And when you inquire about it, they would say, you just have to have faith. You just have to trust. Yeah, but we don't understand. You just have to trust. And we didn't know at the time, found out later, this was going on in scores of churches and ministries all across the country and in other countries. Same thing. And uh, it came time to do it. And a lot of people we knew were putting what little money they had into it. And, and we're thinking, well, we don't want to miss out. Man, if this is God... You know, we see, we're trained to believe things can happen. We're faith people. We're trained to, to trust what we don't see and, and to believe what we haven't experienced before can happen. All things are possible. We're trained to believe that. And so we thought, well, we don't want to miss God. And so I had prayed about it a time or two and just couldn't seem to get the Lord to talk to me about it. That should have been a clue, shouldn't it? And, and, um, we, we had our few little thousands that we had scraped together and we're going to invest in this. And, 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 and the, the morning of the day we're supposed to talk to them and finalize some stuff, they were going to meet us. Uh, we we're out of town and, and, uh, I, 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 I prayed again. I got down on my knees and, and I said, Lord, help me with this. I, I, I don't feel like I got anything from you on this. And I don't mean to hurt a voice, but inside the Lord said this to my heart very clearly. He said, I've said nothing to you about these people. You have no reason to trust them. I, through some of these things, I begin to learn what I'm sharing with you talking about. I don't need a reason not to do something. I need a leading. I need a witness to do it. And uh, he reminded me of the men that came to when Peter was up on the housetop, you remember that? And he told him, go with these men, nothing doubting, I have sent them. 
Well, then you can, you can go with that, yeah. right? Yeah. But he said, I've said nothing to you about these people. You have no reason to trust them. I thought, okay, well, that's the end of that. Yeah. And, and I really felt like, well, you know, all these other people are doing it. And even some people we respect and, and, and churches and ministries that are a lot, you know, more experienced than us. And, and I thought, well, okay, but I don't, if I don't see it, I don't see it. So we're out. But I thought I'd go and talk to them to try to find out more about what. So I, we, we went and met with them. Of course, they thought we we're about to hand them a check, but we're not. And, um, so I asked some questions and, and I said, well, what about this? And, and the actual thing that we're supposed to be buying that we're supposed to be able to turn around and sell and, and that kind of thing is, what, what about that? Uh, they said, well, you have to put your money in right now and then this is going to happen and it's going to happen. Very complicated. And so, and, and legal terminology and, and big banking terminology and, and, you know. And so I said, well, we will fly over there and I'll bring the, the money orders and checks. Oh, no, no, you can't do that. You just have to. You have to have faith. You have to trust. Those are half verses. What did Jesus say? Have faith in total strangers. Have faith in shady brethren. What? Have faith in God. Well, they're not God. And they tell you to just trust them blindly. You don't know them. You don't know what's going on. You're foolish if you do. Yeah, yeah but you just got to have faith. And the Lord told us. And the Lord showed us. The devil talks that way. Come to find out. Churches. From several different denominations. Ministries. All across the country. Tens of millions of dollars. These people lost their money. They lost it. And these folks got up in the churches and presented these things. And the pastors and the ministers were so excited about it and and so hyped about it. And we've got to just trust. Got to have faith. (laughs) And quoted scriptures about sowing and reaping. Because of some of that, some folks say, I know it. I think the whole bunch is a bunch of crooks myself. I'm never going to church again. You're the one that'll miss out. You're the one that'll be robbed in the long run. Because just because people did something wrong doesn't mean God did something wrong. It doesn't mean he ever lied to you or he ever let you down. And if you'll be honest, if you'd have paid attention to what you got on the inside, he was trying to lead you, trying to show you, but you got to pay attention. To what you get on the inside. Can you say amen or oh me or I'll see or <laughs> somebody say thank you, Lord, for your mercy, for your goodness, for your grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Turn with me to Romans 8 in closing. Romans 8. I'm so thankful. The Lord spared us. We didn't lose what little money we had. It's not because we were so smart. It just any Christian can pay attention to what they get on the inside, can't they? And if you will, you won't be misled. There is the real and there is the phony. And what did the Bible say about the Spirit of God? Well, you need to read this too. Holding Romans 8.
Go to John. John, 14th chapter, 26th verse. The Comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Say it out loud. He'll teach me all things. What else will he do? He'll bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I've said to you. Skip down to the 16th chapter. Chapter 16 and verse 13. 1613. How be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, what will he do? He will guide you into all the truth. Now, if you're guided into all the truth, you'll be able to see what's not true. Right? By contrast. Say it out loud. He is guiding me into all the truth. It goes on to say he'll not speak of himself. Whatever he hears, that he'll speak. What else will he do? He'll show you things to come. Things like, if you do that, you'll lose every bit of it. (laughs) So you'll say, so I'm not doing that. Right? You'll just get a knowing in you. You'll just get a little glimpse. I'm not talking about falling into a trance or seeing an open vision. But just in your mind's eye, just a little quick glimpse, you you realize you see yourself losing it. And you'll go, oh, I'm not doing that. Yeah, but they got all these degrees and they got all this proof. You can put anything on a piece of paper. You can fabricate the most authentic looking documents nowadays. Have have y'all seen this? Oh man. You can give yourself any kind of degrees and put diplomas on the wall. Right? You, you can. Don't go by all that. Tell me what you go by, saints. Come on, help me out. The one on the inside of you. The witness. The knowing. Trust it. Listen to him. Keep going in the, uh, in the 14th verse. He will glorify me, for he'll receive of mine and shall show it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore, said I, he'll take of mine and show it to you. Said out loud, he always leads me into all the truth. Shows me things to come. Brings things to my remembrance. And in Romans 8, the verse I was talking about, verse 14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I'm a son of God. You're a son of God. I'm not led by money. I'm not led by somebody's fast pitch or or slick sail. I'm led by the one on the inside of me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And he's not going to direct you into losing stuff. He's going to direct you into prospering and increasing. Verse 16 Verse 16, the Spirit itself, or as modern translations say, Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.